Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 127. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight? Just gray. Like my, my sweater I'm wearing right now, which was from my mother. Uh, my brother bought it and it was too small for him. It's a medium. So my mom bought it from him and gave it to me. I don't know how what happened, but someone exchanged money on my behalf, and I didn't have to pay anyone, and I got a free sweet sweater from Perth Brewery. I'm good. Okay, you lucked out in this, is what I'm hearing. Yes, although I'm still feeling great, like Eeyore gray, just like, woe is me type of thing. Uh, nothing happened. Uh, nothing wrong happened today. I actually went out skating with my kids after uh, nice. my son was done school. But just the second I get to, like, I guess maybe it's a work thing, as soon as I get to my computer being like, here we go, dust off these fingers... Oh, I don't want to do anything. I understand. I We're going to try and cheer you up as we talk about the Islanders tonight. Mm, good luck. <laughs> That's for sure. What's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot. The January session is wrapping up, and I get to start the spring on Monday. So I am just from wire to wire teaching, and it's a lot. Out there teaching and keeping the minds fresh, Matt. Good job by you. I'm trying. I don't know. Uh, some people are calling me a hero. I wouldn't go that far, but. <laughs> <laughs> teaching is a noble profession, Matt. It is. I just don't. I don't know. I, I teach people how to like run an audio board. It's not like we're doing. We're not reinventing the wheel here. Dude, I've been in some of those classes, and some people just don't get it. So sometimes you just do God's work by like, here's a knob, turn it. And then just some people just don't get it, man. They just don't get it. Oh, boy. You, you'd you be surprised. I could go on all day about that, but let's get into this one, Mitch. What addition do you have for us? So we are 127, and we're, we're taking a player who's played at least, not sorry, not at least. I always want to say that. Exactly 27 games for the New York Islanders. Uh, and this one I, I picked on purpose, and I, and I will reveal why I not use it as a question because it's going to be fairly obvious. Okay. It's Marco Kiprasov, okay. who is Miko's older brother. Interesting. And so I know we spoke about Miko, uh, Mika Kiprasov, sorry, not Miko, Mika, uh, Mika Kiprasov a while ago. I'm not sure if it was on this weekly podcast or if it was part of a patron. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sign up today. Um but we spoke about Mika Kiprasov, and when I saw the name, I was going, right, perfect, it, it has to be. This has to be his brother. Sure enough, it's his older brother. So this ed- edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast, number 127, is dedicated to Mika Kiprasov's older brother, who played 27 games for the New York Islanders, Marco Kiprasov. Interesting. Okay. Did so I'm going to ask you three questions about uh, your boy Marco later. I'm going to have to do some uh, deep digging in the old noodle, because I don't remember a whole lot about Marco. Okay, well that that's fair. I could have gone uh, a, a, like a different way with this. I could have gone for for Mueller, but I, I really didn't want to. I didn't want to sour it any more than than my gray general disposition is. So 
Let's go with something a little bit more positive. Okay. I'm all for it, Mitch. Let's give some context for what we're going to be talking about. So over this span, the Islanders played three games since we last talked on here, and they went 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but it really feels like they limped to the finish line of the 10-day All-Star break, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like someone shot them in the leg, but it's probably like Scott Mayfield with his 12-gauge that he used on Brandon Lemieux. <laughs> And they just kind of like stumbled their way in, like or or a zombie bit them, and it's slowly infecting their leg. Oh God, that was the Islanders this week. It certainly feels that way. So on, th- yeah, Thursday, right? Or was it? F- I'm all out of whack. Here. I don't know what you're trying Thursday. to get to. The first a day game. of the week. The f- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the first game the Islanders played after we last talked. There's three games we got to talk about: two Rangers game, and there's uh, Hurricanes in between. No. It was indeed. That is correct. It was Thursday that you're you're trying to get to here. Yes. So Islanders are looking okay, and then there was uh, a bit of a meltdown in the third period, Mitch. Hard. There was a the minute hard. It wasn't as bad as the last one, uh, or the one. Sorry. There, there's four games actually, Matt. Uh, you're right. I, I did. I forgot one. Hand up. That's on me. Oh, so did I. I didn't realize until we just I just looked at the schedule right now. Um, but the collapse is that Derek Broussard. Two hands, Jesper Foss in the corner, and Jesper Foss does his best front flip impression, like he's trying to flip around, uh, and, and the refs think that that's a cross-check, which, hands up, I also think is a cross-check, but yeah, anyways, they get a penalty, and uh, the last minute of the game, what, 59 seconds, 59.6 seconds left? That's when he took the penalty, it was with like 26 seconds left, they scored. Right, and then Chris Kreider scores to seal the deal at 3-2, and you're going, God, Jesus Christ, can you just... <laughs> These referees and their their decision-making process is just oh, annoying. It, it, was, it was a penalty. The argument is, should they be calling it that late? I say yes, but I understand the argument against it, whereas they don't ever call that, and all of a sudden they're calling it. I get that. That's fair, but it's still a cross-checking although it's definitely embellishment. I get the I get the frustration with it. I just think that and I don't get Broussard's outrage over it, I guess, is my um, my thing with it, because he put himself in that position, and he was all bent out of shape in the postgame, but he shouldn't have been in that. He should know better, I feel like. He should, but he's also making the argument going, I, I can make that same play in the second period, and they wouldn't call me, or I can make the same play at the same moment at, uh, of this game, yesterday, two weeks from now, or, or two weeks ago, and no one would have batted an eyelash at this, but all of a sudden he's calling this. This, this In his mind, in his frame of reference, that is legal because no one would ever in their right mind call that, but now they're calling it. So that's why he's frustrated going, something that would have been illegal or illegal yesterday is now illegal all of a sudden. So you're changing the lines. And that, that's the, the, the frustration he's having with the, the official. And to be frank, the, the frustration that any of us have with officiating is just not consistent. Yeah, that's for sure. It definitely is not a consistent thing when it comes to the officiating. Uh, and w- a game that looked like it was destined for overtime uh, was not because of that penalty and then ensuing goal. Right. So uh, if you want to hear our full comments and me shrieking and you you trying to calm me down a bit and, and you, you shrieking as well, um, head over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles and sign up for our, our five dollar pledge and that's five bucks a month and you get access to a post-game podcast after every new york islanders hockey game you get a newsletter you get a mailbag podcast which we will be recording after this show and you get access to all the back catalog and a huge community of of islanders fans always chatting away and trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this hockey team so sign up today eyes on aisles sorry Patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. There we go. There you go, Mitch. Uh, the next game was on Saturday that I tried to block out and didn't mention, <laughs> which was the Washington Capitals. Um, I I I don't know what what to, what to say about that game other than uh, embarrassing, awful. Uh, I don't know any other adjectives you'd like to throw out there, Mitch. Oh, I wish I had um, better ones, but like in French, you got époustouflant just kind of like sucks the wind out of you going like or knocks the wind out of you man it sucks the wind out of you that that's got a that sounds sexual um <laughs> it knocks the wind out of you what just so dumbfounded as to what happened um like i said on, on the the post game podcast like my wife came down 
just before the game had ended or just after the game had ended. And I didn't see her come down my creaky basement stairs and she had a plate full of food. Uh, this was an afternoon game, of course. Uh, and, and she's just like, hey, I'm here with food. Are you awake? And I was just kind of like, I can't believe they lost. They were up 4-1 and they lost 6-4. What the hell happened? Yeah, allowing five goals in the third period is just... Um, I think there really are no words, Mitch. And and they were playing pretty well-ish. Like the, the only thing they weren't doing was clearing the zone, which doesn't sound like it should be the end of the world. Like They don't clear the zone a couple of times. Shouldn't be five goals against. It really shouldn't, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no, it did. And then uh, they followed that up with a overtime loss. Uh, no, shootout. shootout loss, excuse me, to the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, that was another frustrating one because I know they did look good. But what I said on the postgame show and what I'll say again on here is I am I'm at my wits end with the moral victories with this team, Mitch. I can't take like, oh, they, they look good and, and oh they picked up a point or uh, uh, they they got shut out. But they got like 67 shots on goal. One of We're them getting looks. Eventually. That's that's yeah. the one I hate the most. I it just I need to start seeing results. Because we're going to get into one of the topics that we're going to talk about is the division and how tight it is. So I'm about sick and tired of the moral victories is my main point that I wanted to get out with this game. Yeah, well, that's fair. Like at a certain point, like last year, that would have been a good time to like, well, we're trending in the right direction. Sure. Cool. Awesome. Great. Now it's okay. Well, we've, we we're trending in the right direction. We laid a foundation for what we thought was a foundation. Now we need to build off of that. And it seems that we are regressing for reasons. Right, like the only reason that we're going backwards is we can't score enough goals, and there seems to be a, a fair fix to that. And is bring someone in who can score goals, and we're just like, you know what, this Dan Pat guy's pretty good. Damn Stan Pat! Oh my God, the worst. I, Scott, what a terrible player he is. <laughs> Anything else from that game, the Carolina one? Just uh, no. That's whatever. You said exactly what needs to be said. And then with the Rangers last night, Mitch. They get off to a flying start. They're up 4 nothing, And then the last eight minutes, probably, around the eight minutes of the game, was a complete dumpster fire for this team. Scott Mayfield takes that awful spearing penalty, double minor. They score two goals on the power play. They take a delay a game penalty at the end. And they were doing everything in their power to give this game away, Mitch. They really <laughs> it's were. Like, was Brandon Davidson playing? Can we check to see if he was somewhere on the bench instead of Matthew Barzal, maybe? And that's why we're tanking all of a sudden? Well, that's another thing, too. Barzal was sitting his rear end on the bench because he did not play the third period. No, NHL.com says 40 seconds. Uh, looking back at the tape, he doesn't get his butt off the bench at all. No. Um can, can we just stop getting like I, I keep seeing mentions throughout Twitter about people mad that he got a double. He being Scott Mayfield got a double minor. That's the call for spearing that there, there's no just a regular two minute minor. It's straight double minor for spearing. No matter the intent, no matter the severity, you spear someone as in like you poke someone with your stick. Mm-hmm. Double minor all the time, every time, no matter what. So let's just lay that to bed. That's not on the officials. That's on Mayfield. And the officials gave him, like, he's standing right there. Like, he's between Lemieux and Mayfield and going, all right, let's see how this works out. Oh, there's a stick. Boom, done. <laughs> it's not hard, guys. No, and at that point when you're up 4 nothing, why engage? Good question. I'm just dumb, dumb. Why engage that way also? You're Scott Mayfield. Just shove his face away with your hand and you don't get a penalty. Even if you, like, not sucker punch him, but, like, just get in his grill. Just get right up in him and tower over him. You're a big man. That That's not going to get you a penalty. Why did you have to get the lazy stick up? Come on, man. That's my move. I'm tall. I don't want to fight, but I'm tall. I'll stand over you. Exactly. I will look down on you and physically intimidate you. That's my move. Well, I probably shouldn't have given away my move on the podcast, but mm, It's go. a fairly obvious move for <laughs> tall guys. So the Islanders actually limp in, what was it, 1-2-1 one, and one then? 1-2-1, one, and one, that's correct. Yeah, so uh, I don't know about you, Mitch, but I'm a little bit excited for this 10-day break. I need like a, a mental break from this team. Everyone needs a break from this team, including Matthew Barzal after that benching. <laughs> he needs a break from this team. Oh. He definitely does. So with that, shall we get this thing rolling into the first topic of the evening? Let's do that. 
Okay, so looking at the Metropolitan Division, well, Mitch, it's an extremely tight race, and it's getting a little bit scary. The Islanders are in third place, and right behind them are three teams separated by three points. Yeah, that's right. So Carolina, Columbus, Philadelphia are right on them. What They all have 60 points. Carolina has 61 points, sorry. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, they can leapfrog them, and then you're stuck fighting with like, or die in a dogfight for a wild card with teams like Toronto. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Toronto's not in a playoff position right now. No, and that that's the thing, is once you fall out of one of the top three slots, you're fighting not only the rest of the teams in your division, but the other the teams in the Atlantic that are also fighting for a playoff spot, too. Right, and, and that's that's the issue. And for the Islanders, the issue there uh, is they haven't necessarily been doing enough to keep themselves above the fray. Uh, the, their playoff chances are still like a 77%. I think it was Kerry uh, uh, Haber who tweeted that out. The, he uh, aggre- aggregated all the sites like moneypuck.com and other ones like that that uh, they give odds on or, or the chances of uh, teams making the playoffs. And they're at about a 77, I think it is, give or take 1% or 2% there, I think, give. Uh, so around, they're, they're probably going to make the playoffs, but they're not really doing themselves any favors, specifically because of this, and because the teams behind them or around them are doing significantly better than they are. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the point that I want to make was they have no room for error. So we can't really be at the point of the year where we're saying, ah, they lost, but they looked okay on the ice today. It's not like they got blown out or did anything drastically wrong. Well, no, you got to start picking up points against these teams. That's right. So when you look at the three teams that are around them, like you mentioned, Carolina, Columbus, Philadelphia. So this is their record over their last 10. Carolina, 5-4-1. Columbus, 8-2-0. Philadelphia, 5-4-1. The Islanders, 4-4-2. Oof. There you go. So when you look at that, in terms of points per game percentage, the Islanders are a straight .5, right? They got eight points from, sorry, ten points from a possible twenty. But then you got Carolina's .55, Columbus .8. They've won five in a row, by the way, and they're tied with Winnipeg as we record right now, three uh, three. And then Philadelphia's .55. So the teams below them are picking up points at a higher clip than the Islanders are, and then the teams above them, it's Pittsburgh at .7 and Washington at .6 points per game. They're not keeping up with the teams above, and they're not. Then the teams below them are winning at a higher clip. That's not a recipe for success. No, it's not. And honestly, like when looking at the standings, the easy thing is to look up and say, "What do I have to do to catch the two teams ahead of where we are, which is the Penguins and the Capitals?" But realistically, I'm more worried about fighting off the teams that are hot underneath us because they are playing. Like you said, they're playing good hockey, and those teams are dangerous. They're winning. That's all that matters. And the Islanders aren't necessarily... Excuse me, I had a Sprite Zero here and I'm all burpy. Anytime I drink something, as long as it's not water, burpy. Unbelievable. My gas reflex, I guess you could call that. Uh, you're right. The keeping up with the teams below just isn't happening, and that's a problem. When they're winning, like you said, Columbus, five in a row. Carolina, two in a row. Philadelphia, two in a row. Like, that's not great. That's really bad. Uh, and, you know, some of those teams have... Uh, what what what's the word I want to like superstar power like the Philadelphia Flyers Claude Giroux Jacob Voracek uh, Sean Couturier they put up points and they've got goalies and they've got a defenseman look out same thing with Carolina Columbus I don't know what the hell is happening in Columbus but Me I either. assume it's what happened with the Islanders last year uh, I guess so because I know we picked them to finish at the bottom of the division yeah and they're they're in a wild card position right now. And they they might even win tonight, although I hope not because I have money against them. Yes, and for the Islanders' sake, we hope they don't win tonight too. True. Uh, What's helping the Islanders is like they, we know what they need to do to fix this. Uh, It's not it's not necessarily hard. Like they just need to play better defensively. I understand like you're probably yelling at anyone listening. Like they also need to score goals. Yes, you're right, but they can't fix that in house. They really can't. The guys that they that they have that need to score are currently doing so, right? Like Bo, uh, Eberle, Lee. Lee yep. They're all scoring right now. Brock Nelson already has 20 goals, and it's not even the All Star game. Yeah, I don't know what else. I think Nelson's on pace for like 33 goals. I don't think you could ask a whole lot more out of him. No, and someone will obviously say like Jordan Everly should be on pace for more, or or Lee might you know should probably have a few more. 
cool. Yes, but as we stand right now, they're producing as they should, and they're still not winning. So it's a defensive issue right now. And the one player they have that's missing is Cal Clutterbuck, sorry, and Adam Pellick. That shouldn't be a deal breaker for the Islanders, but it seems to be. No, it definitely seems to be right now, and I think they should take this time to, and I know that they're going to get away and stuff like that, and they you know, deserve their break and stuff like that. But what I kind of like to break the season up. I know it's not really the halfway point, but pre all-star break and post all-star break, I kind of split it that way. Yep. And my goal out of the all-star break would be to get back to being fundamentally sound, which I don't think the Islanders have been for the last few weeks. No, they showed flashes like uh, against Carolina looked really good defensively. Yeah, they They really did. Um, against uh, the Rangers the other night, they looked good aside from that eight-minute collapse. So, like, that's the last two games. So that that might be the trend that we need to look at. But we'll see, man. We'll see after this break because uh, I'm I'm not confident. It's not to say I'm not confident they won't make the playoffs. I'm not confident that they're fundamentally sound yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And another thing, too, which is driving me crazy, not being able to clear the zone. Yeah, that's a problem because you need to be able to do that functionally. And it's not that doesn't mean just ice it all the time, although sometimes I understand why you do it. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to take the icing. But just for whatever reason, it seems like the Islanders, uh, specifically in that game against Carolina, the one, the goal that Matt Barzal was on the ice for when he couldn't get the puck out. I think it was a Svechnikov goal, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's just you look at that and you say, how do you just not skate that out? I don't. I don't understand what's happening here. It must be the Svechnikov goal because it was a one-one tie, and the two the, the second goal was the shootout goal. Yeah. So yeah, we were Duh. both right. It was the Svechnikov one. But you're right; he's right there. It's not like he's at the hash marks, or sorry, not the hash marks, but like at the face-off circle on the half wall, and like he he's trying to flick it out. No, no, he's skate trying to skate out of the zone, like controlled exit. You know, just just dump it, or maybe not dump it, but like just flutter it out. You know, just just enough to get it out past the red line, but not enough to give you an icing. That shouldn't be very hard to do. Someone who's played hockey for years at his level should be able to do that. And that's probably why Barry Trotz is sending him. And he's fast enough to go catch up to it again. That's true. That's that. Or just go off for a change. You know what? Like, I did what I needed to do. I, I It's no longer in our zone. Live to fight another day. Fair. Also very fair. Right, and, and again, that's probably why Barry Trotz sat him on the bench. He didn't do anything egregious. He wasn't on the ice for a goal against uh, by the Rangers. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't draw a bad penalty. Uh, this it, it wasn't a retaliation for the Rasmus Dallin one, like I've seen people suggest. Uh, if that's the case, then that's really poor uh, coaching, which I don't think is what Barry Trotz does. No. Uh, it, it's He's just not doing some of the simple things right. And, and Arthur Staple alluded to that in a tweet, just like, He's not doing what Barry Trotz wants him to do with a team-first mentality. And so he's trying to fix that. And yeah, not so. clearing the puck instead of like dipsy-doodling around three players seems like a non-team-first thing to do. Right, and it's completely okay for Barry Trotz to just be like, hey, we got to get this figured out and make a move like that. I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that he's in the doghouse for good. Like, it's just we got we to gotta fix this. You know what I mean? That's correct. And so I, I think coming out of the break, they could fix it. Uh, but I'm not confident, like I said before my I started my tirade. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, anything else on the just the overall look on the division? Man, Columbus is looking good. I, like, I don't understand what the hell's going on there, but they are looking good. Uh, everyone else is looking fine. I, I really don't want to have to drop into that uh, that wild card position whatsoever because I'm scared of teams like Buffalo. Even they're 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 quite a while away out, but like they could just turn it on right away and there's still another what 33 games to go yeah that's a lot of leeway they're hanging around yeah so i know montreal's not far off but i i have no faith in montreal they could they have skill they have some talent like carrie price could immediately turn into a top tier goalie again um but i have more faith in buffalo which is saying something about montreal yeah that's a fact so no it's certainly when you start to fall into that fourth place fighting for a wild card spot it's not where you really want to be you want to stay in that two to three slot or i mean obviously up to one but washington looks like the best team in the league right now 
Yeah, they're not catching Washington unless they, they completely collapse, which I, I don't see happening. Uh, but you, you definitely want to at least try to ca- keep pace with Pittsburgh. Stay close. Like, they're, they're, they're four points off Pittsburgh right now with the game in hand. If they stay around that, like, the four points off by the end of the season, I'll be happy. As long as they stay in the top three. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%. Mitch, when we get back, we're going to take a look at the Islanders' fourth line and why they seem to not be able to function without it. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We're talking Islanders' fourth line, and we understand, Mitch, for the last couple of years, and even when they were apart, how important that fourth line was for the New York Islanders. And we're talking Matt Martin, Casey Zekas, and Cal Clutterbuck. And for whatever reason, it, it just seems like this team cannot function without these three guys on the ice. Which is wild when you think about it. It really is their third line. But still, think about it. Like they, what? They're a fourth line. We'll say uh, they play like twelve minutes a night, which is still a lot for a fourth line. But any other fourth line is out there to just eat up a few minutes, you know, play some solid defense, and maybe possibly generate a little bit of offense. That's it. Not for the Islanders. Their identity is driven by the fourth line. Oh, one hundred percent. They rely on that line to be momentum changers. Which is ridiculous. It, but sorry, it isn't ridiculous when you consider the type of players they are and how effective they are together. It's just it, it ridiculous that when they are not around, they just can't see. Like they're running around like chickens without a head. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea where they're going and what they need to do. Which is wild because again, these guys play twelve minutes, sometimes more, depending on the matchup. I understand. Right. But they're around that like thirteen minute mark on average. And when they're not around, the Islanders have no idea where they're supposed to go, which is ridiculous. And I know this is a conversation about the fourth line, but I think with the injuries, it shows how bad that other line is. That I guess, quote unquote, third line, because now you have Leo Komarov on the fourth line with Martin and Sezikis. And I th- honestly, hand up, I think Komarov has been better on the fourth line. I like him in that role better. I've said that all along, and I just didn't think you know it made sense to bring him in because you had the whatever. That's not the point here. The point is with him now on that line, the Broussard-Johnston-Kunako combination is... Del Cole. Or slash Del Cole. Yeah, which any, pick any of those four and yeah. pick three out of the four. Not working. Just not in any direction. It's not a good th- three people out there at the same time. It's not. It it is not a good. It is not a good fit. Uh, it, it just does not work on that that new quote unquote fourth line of that the mix of fourth four players. But you're right with Komarov, right? Like he, he's a good sub for Sezikis, and that has to be reassuring for the Islanders, knowing that if Sezikis is out, they can get a guy to c- come in and play on that fourth line, whereas that fourth line's identity isn't. Um, What's the word? Like symbiotic between the three. Whereas in you, you can't put another player in because it just won't work. Uh, but but with that being said, like w- w- what I understand their importance. I understand their identity, what they do for the identity of this club. You know, the hard checking in your face, strong on the puck or, or even strong away from the puck. Uh, but that shouldn't be enough to completely. Uh, what's the word I want to what I want to use here? Uh, just take away, or take the wind out of the sails of a fir- first and second line. Like that's just not the way the first and second line plays, or should I think? Um, but it seems that when these guys aren't around, like Barzal and Co. or Brock and Co. have no idea what they're doing. It's they can't get them going at the same time, at least. Right, right. But I mean, like they they just when when. We saw it when Martin was out because he took that dumb fighting penalty against Brendan Smith uh, with the Rangers. Sezikis mm-hmm. was already out injured uh, for taking a, a puck to the to the Nads, and then Cal Clutterbuck got his like wrist slit while you know playing the the Bruins, so he's gone. So the three were out, and the Islanders didn't know what the hell to do. They had no idea. I, I get their forechecking. I get their ability to play off the puck. I get their ability to generate offense from a defensive position. But how come that the, the first and second line can't do that, at, at least without them there? It was Matt Martin's the whispering sweet nothings into Barzell's ear throughout the game. I, I don't understand. Is he passing the smelling salts? I don't, I don't get it. 
I don't know. I wish Matt Martin was whispering sweet nothings into my ear on the bench. That would be phenomenal. Right? <laughs> uh, maybe that's what it is. I, I don't. I just doesn't seem to. I don't seem to understand how without those three on the ice, the Islanders just don't know what to do. No, it's a, it's a valid point, and I don't know. The fact that they hold such an impact is kind of scary. And I, it's not to take anything away from any of those three guys, whether it's Clutterbucks, Ezekis, or Matt Martin. It's not. It's it. The point is that when you're a team like the Islanders, who should be in playoff positioning, right? They're a team that should be in the playoffs. Are they a contender? Story for another day. But playoff, yes. You should be able to function without your fourth line. Like it's just like for whatever reason, if they're not out on the ice, it's like there's some there's some change in the chemistry, which is very strange. Yeah, it, it is. Um like I get that Pittsburgh won that that first cup. I believe, on the back of the HBK line, uh, which was their third line. And then uh, for all intents and purposes, our fourth line, quote-unquote, is actually our third line, just based off the minutes they play. Uh, But still, you take a third line away from any team. Like, you take the third line away from the Boston Bruins. Are they the same team? Can you even name the third line of the Boston Bruins? I sure as hell can't. Yeah, that's a good point. What about the Washington Capitals? I don't know. Lars Eller, I think, is their third-line center. Outside of that, I don't know who their third-line winner is. Verona? Maybe. Yeah, you could be right. I have no idea. Again, I, I, have no, I don't know. But for us, that, that it starts with the third line. It starts with Zizekas. It starts with Martin, and it starts with Clutterbuck. And when you don't have them, you don't have a team for the Islanders. And that's tough. And, and that, that really, that's something that they need to fix going forward where the identity that these guys generate needs to become the identity that that first line generates. Somehow, I don't know why, but that, that, that clearly needs to be the, uh, the way they operate going forward because it doesn't seem to work otherwise. No, which is the point that I think we wanted to drive home here is that it's very bizarre. It's unusual that they hold that much weight. Right, because usually it's the other way around, right? Like that first line. You, you, when you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're thinking Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, you know, a dynamic attacking team. They said it that way. Yep. You think of like the cup, uh, the the the, uh, the cup winning Chicago Blackhawks. Jonathan Taze, two way, every every day, not every day, said a two way, two hundred foot player controlling both ends of the ice. That's what they do. Still top line player right there for them. Same thing out in Los Angeles. Anze Kopitar again, two hundred foot player. Tate plays a hard nosed game. That's what they do. What is it for the Islanders? Uh, their fourth line or third line is uh, really good. Uh, of course, that, that's simplifying their identity, but they are really good. But that's it. Their third line generates what they do. We need more. Yeah, that's you do, and which kind of goes to another point, which is, uh, oddly enough, our, our next topic, which is the trade deadline preview. Yes. Good call by us. Yeah, so that uh, actually worked out for a pretty good transition, Mitch. You want to get into that, I guess? Yes, let's do that. Okay, absolutely. So I guess what we wanted to look at is kind of who is going to be sellers and are there going to be enough players on the market where the Islanders are going to do something that's actually effective? Well, in terms of sellers, you got to think Detroit Red Wings, right? Worst team in the league by a healthy margin. Oh, 100%, yes. Uh, 28 points in 50 games. Uh, so like the bottom tier teams, you got Detroit, Los Angeles, New Jersey, Ottawa. That's the bottom four. Okay. And if you want to lump the Anaheim Ducks in there because they're at 43 points close to the bottom, that's five teams. That's your sellers there and probably the San Jose Sharks. I'm with you on San Jose. They need a change. So that's your six sellers at the moment. Everyone else is still kind of in it in a way, right? Like in the, the East, the Rangers are probably out of it. They don't, they don't necessarily care about yeah. making it. Um, but they're they're not far off, right? Like they're only ten points out. But you got to figure they would they sell off at least Kreider and Georgiev, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say that they're they're looking to sell as in like they have to sell to 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 I don't know bring in as much as possible or if you know what I mean like that. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for here? They're not sellers in the classical sense of the word. That's what I want to say. But they okay. will end up being sellers because that's the right thing to do. I get that. Okay. Um, but in, in, in the West, like San Jose, 
Yeah. Anyway, so we, we've said we've said at least six sellers, right? Like that was the main yeah. question. Okay. Definitely. Sorry. There. Um. Now what? Like they, they, there's sellers out there, but you look at those sellers and you're going, all right, well, who are they trading? Who do they have to give away? Like, uh, what is it? Detroit. Who is Detroit giving away? They're terrible for a reason. That's a great point. Is when you look at these teams who are bad. Well, they usually are bad because their players aren't any good. If you pull up their cap friendly, Dylan Larkin's not getting moved. No. Right? Does, we don't want Franz Nielsen. He's next <laughs> no. in cap hit after that. Uh, Darren Helm, Val Filpula, Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, no. they, they, these, they're not moving these guys. So in, instead of going through each seller and, and dissecting their roster, I think we should answer three questions here. We've already answered one. How many sellers are going to be out there? And so the first, the next question is, how aggressive is Lou Lamorello going to be? Because there are some players on these rosters that can be that can be had, like Detroit, Andreas Athanasiu, good player mm-hmm. to probably pick up. RFA though, not going to be cheap. Uh, Ottawa, Jean Gabriel Pajot, probably isn't going to be cheap if he's even attainable. And and, and if he is, you got to sweeten the pot because Ottawa really would like to keep him. Right. Um, what about New Jersey? Kyle Palmieri would be nice. Apparently, Travis Zajac doesn't want to leave, although I don't necessarily blame him. More on that later. Yeah. Um, Anaheim, uh, like Rickard Raquel would be nice. Good old 30-goal score, but that's not going to be cheap either. No, it's not. My my fear is that the asking prices are going to be high because yes. supply and demand, and I'm not quite sure Lou Lamarillo is going to be willing to meet the 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 cost necessary to get in someone effective, like the the Kings. Like if you trade for Tyler Toffoli, I'm not quite sure that he's going to want to give up the pieces that it would take to get him to come in here. Right, and I think I want to add to, to your statement there is that he uh, the price might be too high, and he won't want to pay it because the players that are out there may not be very good. And that's a really clumsy way of adding to that, but like the supply isn't high quality supply. So the price is going to be high quality price, but the commodity isn't going to be high, high quality. That's fair. And like we've talked about in, in recent episodes, like we, when we went over the big board from the athletic, the best names on there were Chris Kreider and Tyler Toffoli, which they're nice players, but they're not superstar players. And I get, I Part of me sees what Lou Lamarillo would theoretically be thinking, but at the same time, I feel like the Islanders are in a unique position where they have the prospects and the assets in order to obtain something, and their offense is just so bad that you could literally take just about any upgrade on, you know, just a, a top six on a, you know, any top six, reasonable top six player, bringing them in here would make sense. That's true. So with that question of how aggressive is Lou going to be, what are the, the no moves? like? As in, like, what are the, the pieces or players that we, we don't move under any circumstance for the Islanders? Because his, his aggressiveness will dictate or, or will be predicated on, on how much he's willing to give up. Like, So if we're putting ourselves in Lou's shoes, what is not, not negotiable on, on our, our end? Uh, Noah Dobson. Okay, yeah, of course. Wallstrom. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sorokin, maybe. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, there's a tweet fear from um, Ironko saying, like, at the KHL All Star game, you know, he went up to Sorokin asking him about all the trade uh, talk, and he's like, "I haven't heard that. I've heard different from the Isles, as in, like, they're not looking to trade him, as in, they're looking to make him part of their future." Which I'm, which I'm for. Uh, and then I guess <laughs> Bellows, like. Anything else after that, I'm kind of okay with. I, I even I would let Bellows go. I would dangle Bellows for sure because it, it's, it it's right now it's it's looking good, but it's not. It, it he has the same sample size of being good as a, as the sample size of being bad. Yeah, it, like I wouldn't be heartbroken if they traded Kiefer Bellows. I would, I'm just it depends on what you're getting for him, I guess. But the rest, right. I would be pretty comfortable giving up in a move for the two guys we just mentioned at the top. I noticed you didn't say Matthew Barzal. I thought we were just talking prospects. Oh, okay. All right. Fair. 
Cool. Because I, I would trade some some players from the roster as well if, Ooh, if I can get an can, upgrade. Can I uh, get some names? Bo. Peace. Okay. I love him. I'm not confident he can keep up what he's doing. I hope he does, but I'm not confident he can. So if I can get an upgrade on Anthony Beauvillier, I do it. I do it. I do it in a second. In like a straight up deal or like... If I'm talking to the San Jose Sharks and they're and I'm looking to get maybe like a Thomas Hurdle or a Timo Meyer, I'm dangling to, uh, Anthony Beauvillier. Two point one million dollars on his cap hit right now, and then you got either one of them. I think it's six on Hurdle and five point six two five on Meyer. I could have had, I might have them reversed. I could pull that up right now. I have cap. So uh, that the, the only thing I'm I'm trying to say here is that not everyone on the roster is safe. That's how aggressive I think Lou needs to be. Is it, yes, I don't want to move Noah no Dobson. Yes, of course, I don't want to move Matthew Barzell. Oliver Wallstrom, he's not going anywhere. But outside of that, he needs to be, that's how aggressive I think he needs to be. The only problem, like you laid out earlier, was what's out there in terms of supply on the market may not be a fair return. Right. And Hurdle is 5.625 and Myers 6 flat. Okay, so I had them reversed. And, like, Meyer has two years after this, and Hurdle has four, I believe? Uh, he had Hurdle is two years after this, and Meyer is three after this, and then RFA. Right. So, like, you have controllable assets there. And that's not even talking about Kevin LeBanc, who's 21, 22, four. maybe? 24. Really? God, he's so old. Uh <laughs> Also, RFA, having a bad year, uh, you don't have to pay him a whole lot. No, you wouldn't have to. You're right so, there. You would not have to. Brooklyn native. Is he really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. He could get one more year out of it. So th- there are pieces there. That's how aggressive I want Lula Merlo to be. And I'm only using San Jose as an example. As an example, because I know they're looking to make trades. And when I say no, it's not like I have an inside source. It's just there's an article on the in the Ottawa Sun um, where they quote uh, sources saying that Doug Wilson is embarrassed about trading their first round pick this year. Um, and it's going to be a lottery pick. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, I would be so, embarrassed about it, too. So he's looking to make a deal to get back in the first round. So we have a first-round pick. We don't care about it, really. We shouldn't. Uh, I understand 2020 is going to be a big draft, but we're there. The window is opening for us. It's time to acquire pieces. So Lou needs to be very aggressive, I think. And I I think I laid out a consistent, not a consistent, but a a good plan of of how he can be aggressive. Yeah, no, I'm for that. If any one of those guys you mentioned on San Jose, I'd bring in either one of those two. I think that would be smart, and I'd move Beauvillier and that move as well. I'm with you. Yeah. Bo, a first for Hurdle, right? Isn't Hurdle the one who put up 74 points like two years ago? It might be Meyer. I, see, I have them interchanged. I really have them interchanged. Uh, la, la, la. Flipping Her- between one and the other here. He had uh, 74 last year and has 35 through 46 games this year. So that's a pretty good That's a pretty good player to bring in. Put that next to, And they're both right shots. Or no, sorry, they both play right wing. Only one of them is a right shot. I think it's Hurdle. Again, I'm flip-flopping between the two. Hurdle's a lefty. Sure. <laughs> Damn it. Um, anyway, so that's I think, answers the aggressiveness side of things. So we've know, we know who's selling right now, uh, and we know who's, or how aggressive Lou, sh- or we, we think we know how aggressive Lou should be. Now, has anything changed over the last like week in the trade markets, at all, do you think? I don't think so. I don't think there's been much of a change over this past week. No, because no one's done anything. No one's really gone on these like crazy losing streaks. Like Montreal's still kind of close to being in it, although there, there's talks. Um, Buffalo, as we mentioned earlier, is still pretty close. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider them sellers, but I, I think as we approach, and they're still playing 500 hockey, 5-5-0, five, five and oh, the closer we get, the more they're going to they're gonna look to move. And that's a team that really, really interests me because they have some nice pieces there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that would make sense. Right? Like, what do they got there? Obviously, uh, Marcus Johansson would be pretty nice to pick up, although he's not great. But he's, he'd be a good top, um, top six player, perhaps. 
Um, who was the other one? Sam Reinhardt is the one I'm really looking at. Yeah. Making 3.65, 24 years old. I'm with you on Reinhardt. <sighs> Obviously, they might not want to move him because if I'm so high on him, they might also be. Uh, but if it's not working between him and Eichel, they might want to move him and bring someone else in. Let's talk deal. Let's talk shop. It doesn't hurt. And that's the thing. Like, Lou Lamarillo should be kicking the tires on that. 41 points, 49 games is here. They probably don't move him, but that's a player I'm thinking, all right, well, that's worth a shot. I, I would be aggressive to pick up a Sam Reinhardt, although maybe he doesn't appreciate how we treated his brother. Are they related? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's his older brother, I think. I'm not sure anymore. Who knows? Someone does, not us. The Reinhardts clearly know. <laughs> so with that, are you ready to get into the quiz, Mitch? Yes, let's get into the quiz. All right, so we know it's episode 127, and we also know that it's the Marco Kiprusov edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. So Matt, are you ready to answer three questions about Marco Kiprusov? Let's do it. Perfect. Question number one. What position did Marco Kiprusov play? Goalie. Incorrect. He was a blue liner. He played defense. Okay. Uh, good call on the goalie. Uh, question number two. We know he played 27 games for the New York Islanders. We know he's a defenseman. How many points did he score in those 27 games? Well, Mitch, if I remember correctly, that'd be four points. Ooh, close. Six. All assists. Wow. Okay. Question number three. Final question. How many Finnish championships has Marko Kiprasov won? Two? Four. Okay, wow. He's won four championships playing for TPS, which is his team that he uh, he and both Mika played for back in the day, and he played like a ton. He's still coaching them, I believe, right now. He being Marko. Okay. I didn't realize that. Four championships. That's pretty big. That's a big deal out in Finland. Hell yeah. No, that's impressive stuff. So, good job by us. Uh, We picked him up, we being the Islanders. uh, I think they signed him after he went to play uh, in the Swiss League. He was originally drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in the third round. I forget what year exactly. 70th overall pick. uh, And they signed him to a deal well after the draft. So, there you go. Interesting. All right. Thank you for the update on that. I would not have known that. There you go. We're learning, Mitch. Learning. Got to learn did something every day, Matt. Absolutely. Yesterday I learned about Belarus and Belarusia. God, I really phenomenal. hope I was right on all that stuff. <laughs> I'm taking your stuff for, for you know, it's etched in stone. Perfect. In my mind, okay, anyway. Okay. When we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. What's going on? Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson on the Eyes on Isles podcast. Getting into the social segment now, Mitch. What do you got for us this week? Uh, first is from uh, Dan J. Friedman. We all know Dan on, on Twitter. So on the 20th, he said, how old are we? Question mark. Rick DiPietro would have been an unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. That was Think a fast that. 15 years. Sorry? That was a fast 15 years. <laughs> We've all aged incredibly over those 15 years. See, he had one more year. His contract was supposed to end in 2020-2021. Signed in 2006, by the way. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that seemed when he signed that, 2021 seemed like just made-up numbers at that point. That's true. Although the Islanders are still paying him $1.5 million until the 2028-2029 season. <laughs> it doesn't count on the cap, but they're still paying it. Good for DiPietro, man. Yeah, get 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 your monies. Get your monies. Hey, they were dumb enough to give you the deal. You have to sign it. Like you're, you're not going to do like Connor McDavid. I'm sorry. Can we just not? This figure is not correct. No, I I, I cannot do this with good conscience. No, you sign that right now. He's getting 1.5 million dollars for the next eight years. Not yeah. even. Yes, nine. I'm with you. I I'm 100 with you, man. I, I'm taking that money too if I'm in his shoes. Yep. Perfect. All right, Mitch, I got one for you. Yep. Did you see Elliot Freeman's 31 Thoughts? I did. Okay. So, if you haven't, this is what happened. Supposedly, the New Jersey Devils got a call on Travis Zajac, and Zajac did not want to move 
his or waive his no trade clause. The GM who called is unnamed. I think we all know who called, Mitch. <laughs> uh, Do you care what, to venture it, a guess? I believe it was Lou Lamorello, right? Probably the player, the excuse me, the general manager who drafted the player in the 2004 draft, I would imagine, is the one calling about him, right? That sounds right to me. So I asked you. Yeah. Do you want any part of Travis Ajak? No. Yeah, I would if if his cap it was at least kind of reasonable or he had one more year le- or did not have one more year left. He's got another year at 5.75 million dollars after this. He's on pace for 32 points. You can't bring that in. That's the that's cap hell. You don't want to put yourself in even more cap hell. No, but like if he's bringing in that kind of leadership and accountability that you need. Don't All right, cool. Buy it. No, don't get sucked in. Not for this price. Not for this price. Give me my head back. Don't chew it off. <laughs> don't get sucked into that BS. We have Leo Komarov already. That's but the I, role. I'm fine if you're bringing in intangibles at a reasonable cost. Bring in, bring them in at intangible costs or intangible fees. At $5.75 million, you're no longer bringing in someone just because he brings you leadership. You're bringing him in ideally for production as well, and he's not doing that. No. If uh, if is Travis Ajax the, de- the only deadline trade, I think uh, the calls for Chris Lemarillo to take over are going to become louder and louder. Well, they're already super loud already. Like, there's a bunch of them, like, just calling for loose head, saying he's past his prime, he can't do this. I'm not at that point yet. He's definitely past his prime, sure, but, like, let's chill a second here. I'm with you. I'm not at that point yet. I'm just saying that if the only trade deadline, you know, the guy that you trade for is Travis Ajak, people are not going to be happy about it. No, you're absolutely right. They will not be happy, but... um... Well, it is what it is. I, I, I don't think that's that's what it's going to be. I think they bring in like a depth defenseman, uh, and uh, or they sign guy, a guy that's been playing on PTO secretly for some reason and some random link uh, rink on Long Island, uh, and, and and hopefully a goal scorer. But I'm not so sure on, the, on that last one. Okay. Do you have anything else? I got two more for you. Next is at Purify161. Again, I get everything from Twitter because that's really where I exist. I I don't really have social media. I I do, but I don't really go on it very much. Um, Saying, can't wait for All-Star break. I truly believe Isles fans need a mental and physical break from this tragedy of a team. (laughs) Accurate. Yes, we we all need a break. They need a break from us as much as we need a break from them. So over the break, uh, make sure to read everything we write because uh, that'd be nice. Yes, please. Uh, but also go and do something enjoyable. Have fun with your family, and then you know check in on the website every every you know once or twice a day. That'd be nice. That's all we could ask for. Nothing crazy. Yeah, nothing crazy. You know, but when you wake up in the morning and before you go to bed, boom, done. Get your daily dose of eyes on Isles. Double I, daily dose. I like it. Uh, my last one is not Islanders related, but it's hockey related and trending today. Okay. Did you see Gritty is under police investigation? I, I okay, it's not Gritty, but yes, I did see that. <laughs> it is Gritty. What do you mean it's not Gritty? There's someone behind in <laughs> occupying the suit making the decisions. We know that, right? No. It's not actually this like orange mop. With an actual sentient brain going around and doing things. <laughs> so, supposedly, a Flyer season ticket holder claims that Gritty punched his son in the back. Uh, Philadelphia police is doing an investigation on it. Man, if, if they arrest Gritty, wow. <laughs> I need I need, <laughs> I need, a video of Gritty being walked out of the arena with handcuffs behind his back and just like his shoes squeaking as he walks into the cop car. I need that like I need air to breathe. You know Philly's going to press for it. Like the team is going to say, no, no, you have to, if you're arresting the guy or girl who does Gritty, cool, they did something wrong, obviously. But can you please do it when they're wearing a Gritty suit? Yeah. Please, because we kind of need that. You need that content. I need Gritty getting taken out in handcuffs. I need it. Like I need air to breathe. It's great for gritty lore, right? Like that. That that'll never go away. Gritty no, that's be perfect. Like, like uh, uh, rebel that he's getting arrested. It, it's honestly 
perfect that the Philadelphia mascot is going to be getting taken away in a cop car. That's true. Wild stuff. Um, hopefully nothing wrong happened and he didn't actually punch a kid, but uh, if he did or she did or they did, uh, they needs to get, they needs to pay the price. Absolutely. Anything else from you, Mitch? One last one is from Dino Dangle, D-Y-N-O, okay. saying everyone who laughed at getting Kovalchuk, he's over a point per game with Montreal. He's not. He's at exactly a point per game. Meanwhile, we have the worst bottom six in the entire league. We have the worst fourth line, uh, as in our third. Anyways, we, we discussed this already. Imagine moving Bailey down and having Kovi out there, especially on the power play. Ellipses, hashtag Isles. Uh, it would be... Interesting to have him on the power play. I, I don't know if that's the answer, but it would definitely be It was cheap at the time. Think about it. He's got eight points in eight games, four goals, four assists. Uh, I don't know how many he has on the power play because uh, I didn't look that up before I, I came out here. Um, Koval, Chuck, let's look it up real quick. But we all know he's making league minimum, which is a big deal. Like He's making 700K on the cap, prorated as well. Well, maybe not. Uh that that's it. That's that's great for point per game production from Ilya Kovalchuk. He has on the power play one power play goal and one power play assist in eight games. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's not too bad. Um, would that be great? Who knows if he could reproduce that with the Islanders? Although you know the systems that that Montreal plays are kind of close to the system that uh, the Islanders play, so maybe it would work. But I don't imagine Lou wants to get back into bed with Ilya Kovalchuk after last time. No, I'm with you. I think he wants to avoid that like the plague. So, Although we'll see a trade deadline if Montreal's all the way out of it. You get a pro-rated if, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk at league minimum. Mm, maybe. It would be a good death signing, I guess. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want it to be the marquee signing. Let, let me make that abundantly clear. I'm not saying we need to go and get Ilya Kovalchuk. But if it comes, if he comes in as a depth player... Cool. All right. I'm not too mad. Uh, but we need to have a, 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 an actual goal scorer come in and Ilya Kovalchuk for me to be okay with it. Okay. So as like a second option. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not putting my hat like all my eggs in the Ilya Kovalchuk basket saying like, oh, cup favorites now. We've got Ilya Kovalchuk on a prorated league minimum contract. No, I get that. I think that's completely fair. So I, I also think they bring in a depth defenseman. Uh, and I, I just wanted to bring this up real quick because sure. I'm watching the game. Uh, oh God, Columbus. Uh, Spiza has two points against Columbus right now and has 10 points on the season with Winnipeg. Wow. In how many games? In, let me go back here, in 38 games. Wow. It, it's not great. It's not a great return, but I'm just saying as a, as a number seven, he fits. I mean, yeah. You had, yeah. You had him. Yeah. Had him, but we had to make room for Noah Dobson. Would I prefer Noah Dobson over Lucas Biza? Of yes. course. Yes, 100%. I am not. Yeah, 100%. I just, I just wanted to bring that up. Thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> so let's get some plugs in here before we wrap this up. Wherever you're listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff so you're able to stay up to date on all things Eyes on Isles in the podcast world. If you're also interested, you could head on over to patreon.com slash eyes on Isles, and that's where you can find our post-game podcast, mailbag show. We're going to record it in just a few minutes. And, of course, all other additional stuff like the newsletter and uh, just the community of Islanders fans over there. So definitely worth your while to check that out. We have the app available for iPhone or Android, the Eyes on Isles app. You can follow along with us there or on the website, eyesonisles.com. We're also on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. And you could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. Mitch, episode number 127 in the books. It was a fun one. I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit excited to have a break from the Islanders. Yeah, we deserve it. So have fun with your break, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.